The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your word, uh, the wisdom that you impart to your people uh, is amazing. Lord, we ask for wisdom. We pray, seek for wisdom. We walk humbly in your ways, Lord, and we, uh, we look to your word uh, daily, and as of... Uh, today, Lord, right now, that you open our hearts, our minds, and our souls are ready to accept your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you, my name is Randall. I uh, would love to meet you. I'm one of the elders, pastor here. Um, and this morning, uh, I want to share with you, there's something exciting that's coming up. We're going to be doing a conference soon. And so we're calling it an equip conference because our mission is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. And what that means is that we believe that the Bible is not just something that we, uh, read on a Sunday morning, uh, in listen to, but we, we take it into every part of our lives. Uh, so we're going to be doing this equip conference at Communion Church, March 24th and 25th. Now, one of the books that uh, we talked about last year was the book Faith for Exiles. And on Friday night, Mark Matlock is going to be here. He's one of the authors of the book. He's going to be here. He's going to share with us, uh, do a training on the book. Um, and the book is about being a resilient disciple, being a resilient follower of Jesus. And so it talks about five uh, areas of how we can grow in our relationship with Christ. But he's going to be here on Friday night. We're going to do a Q&A. And so uh, you can get signed up for it. So the cost of it is $25. Um, and it's a weekend thing. So it's a Friday, Saturday. But all the meals are going to be covered. We're going to have child care available. Uh, so we want to make it no excuses, opportunity to come. Um, but in this, we're going to be able to really grow, ask hard questions, uh, lean into your relationship with Jesus. And our hope is that you'll feel more equipped for your everyday life after this conference. So this is the first time we've done this, uh, but I'm really excited. And I'm so thankful for our friends at Communion Church. My friend, Pastor Lance, has been so gracious and opened up their space. And so we're going to be able to do that uh, next month. So get signed up. You guys excited about that? All right, let's go. So uh, we're in a series right now called Ancient Wisdom in a Modern World. Ancient Wisdom in a Modern World. And we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And our text for today is Proverbs 10, 18 through 20. Now, as we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, we've seen that uh, God's word uh, is wisdom, for everyday life. It's wisdom on how to live life, navigate life uh, in God, a God-centered world. God created the world, so he teaches us how to navigate the world with his wisdom. And today, we're going to be talking about why words matter. 
why words matter. Now let me ask you, if someone had a voice recorder and listened to only your words throughout the day, would they be able to discern that you were a Christian just by what they heard? Just by what they heard. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, this word for power in the Hebrew can also be translated direction. Our words reveal and also have the power to direct our lives toward either life or death. Our words matter. I remember I learned this very early on in high school. I was walking out of a class, and one of my good friends stopped me outside of class. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, I got to tell you, I didn't feel like my life was worth living. But there was something that you told me that helped me to keep going, that helped me to keep moving forward. And I just want to say thank you. When he told me that, I I didn't know exactly how he was feeling, what he was going through, just being there as a friend. But words, they matter. There's words that are spoken that can lead to life. There's other words that are spoken that people, make, make people want to take their life. See, every day there are examples that words have the power to build up or destroy. And as Christians, this should not be a surprise to us. Because the Bible, we find that God powerfully speaks through words. And he does this from the very beginning. Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, let there be light. God spoke and created the universe. Describing Jesus in Hebrews 1-3, the author writes, And he is the radiance of his glory and exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. God's words are powerful. The psalmist in Psalm 12, 6 writes, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver silver refined in a furnace on the ground purified seven times. Let's hold on to this verse here, because we'll get back to it later. But what this tells us is that God's words are pure all the time. And God has made us in his image with the power to use words. And this can be a scary thing, because in the New Testament, James fleshes this out by saying, For every kind of beast and and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, 
and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Now again, if we go back to that illustration, if, if somebody were to hear the recorder of just one day, one day, what would they have heard? See, do we feel the weight of this today? I know I do. Well, let's ask, how can we become people who use words wisely? Again, our text is from Proverbs 10, 18 through 20. And just to give some background here on the text, this, this section is written by King Solomon. King Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. Um, this was because he asked God for wisdom specifically. His father was King David. And Solomon is now, through the book of Proverbs, passing down God's wisdom to us, things that he's learned. Now, what happens is we've studied the first uh, four chapters uh, over this past month, but now we're going to move into the, the next section of, of Proverbs, which are a little bit more scattered. It's, you read through it, and there's a lot of different topics that are brought up um, in the different chapters. You're going to see that. So from that, we're going to try to collect some of these and put them into specific categories, and today we're talking about the area of words. See, chapters 1 through 9 set the stage. Now chapters 10 through 31 are, are the proverbs about life. And so what is a proverb before we jump into it? Well, a proverb uh, described by Tremper Longman is a lot of meaning is expressed in short compass. That is a signal to readers that they need to slow down and reflect on the meaning of the passage. See, proverbs are not meant to be rushed through but to be meditated on. Um, one of, and this, I love this, but one of the drinks that is one of my kids' favorite drinks is uh, a Hawaiian Sun drink. Now, these are, I'm originally from Hawaii, and um, these, these uh, drinks I grew up with, right? You've got the, the passion orange guava. You've got all of the different cans, right? You've got all these different options. And, and those are some of my favorite drinks. And, and I've been able to, to share this with my kids, right? I would buy, like, they're very expensive to get them here. In Hawaii, they're very cheap. But here, it's like all the different shipping and all that stuff. It's very expensive. And so I would share these with my kids. And I remember giving them a, a can and just saying, like, treasure this. <laughs> this is an amazing experience right here that you're about to have. And they take it, thanks, Dad. They open it up, and they just start chugging it. <laughs> I said, you got to slow down. If you're going to taste it, if you're going to experience it, you got to slow down. And see, we do this with, with God's word. We just rush through it. This is meant to be enjoyed, learned from, meditated on. We'll be able to pull some truths from it. And so how can we become wise in our words? Well, here's some ways that we're going to break it down in three points from this text for today. But it's by understanding how words can uncover reality, give insight, heal hearts. Uncover reality, give insight, heal hearts. 
And so let's look at this section here, starting in verse 18, uncover reality. So here's what it says in verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that words can reveal and expose what's really in our hearts. Jesus shares this later. He says, what's stored up in the heart is going to come out through our speech. Solomon gives us some specifics here on how it uncovers reality. He says this. He says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Now, what this calls out is a duplicity that's in us. The word integrity just simply means one, like you're, you're just one, right? You're one person all the time, everywhere you go. What this is calling out is the reality that we can fall into a duplicity in our hearts that leads to lying lips. One commentary on this says, hatred is concealed, not dealt with honestly by refusing to tell the truth about your feelings. If we think about this, it's, it's like saying this. I, I'm a quiet person, so people don't really know what I'm thinking. But what this tells us is that God does know what we're thinking, what's really in our hearts. See, for those of us who are maybe more introverted, you may tend towards this being true. What we find is this scripture calls out not just some of us, but all of us. See, there is wisdom in restraining our words. Restraining, but not concealing. See, concealing doesn't cure a bitter, jealous, envious, offended heart. So what can we do? Well, Timothy Keller says that when, when you have bitterness, talk about it to God. This is called confession, right? But he also says, and to someone else. If you do that properly. Let me stop there for a minute. Sharing these things with everyone is not properly. But finding those that you can trust to share this with. He says, you can go and confess and say, I have this in my heart. I have this problem. I have this hatred. I have this discouragement. I have this temptation. He says, you talk to somebody about what you're feeling on the inside. This is where it gets interesting. He says, it clothes it. That means it makes it easier to see it. It makes it easier to understand yourself. See, if these things stay concealed... It can be hidden, hidden from others, but maybe even hidden from ourselves. It's those moments where we, we come out and we're really angry or upset and just things just fly out of our mouth and, 
and we've never really confessed it to God, or we never really told somebody trustworthy that I'm really struggling with this, and so it comes out in a very hurtful way. It tears down others. And it closed it in that moment, and, and it hurts people instead of it bringing healing. See, we need these things to come out, but it needs to come out in a healthy way. And confession is a big part of that. Next he says, whoever utters slander is a fool. Now let's focus in on that, those two words, utter slander. See, this is not concealing, but quickly expressing your opinion, which will tear down another. This word for slander is giving an evil report, gossip. Um, this is quick reporting. Quick reporting. Think about how many news stories are retracted because of quick reporting. Well, we didn't have all the facts, but we reported it, and it actually wasn't true. I actually thought this about this one particular person. It said this, but actually, as I started to find out, it wasn't true. See, these are, this is utters slander. We may excuse it at times. I'm just more extroverted it's just my personality. See, this may tend towards being your vice. If this is, that's just how you're wired. You say, well, I'm just trying to process things out loud. <laughs> and everybody hears it. See, either case, our words can uncover our hearts. And as we've talked about, our hearts are wicked, deceitful, we need a transformed heart. So that's the first point, is that it uncovers reality. But second, it gives insight. Look at verses, verse 19 here. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. First, this teaches us that words are about quality not quantity. Why is that? Uh, why is it that words can be many? Well, let's be honest. We live in a society that lifts up the more extroverted, outgoing personalities. Come on, we all love the people who are more of the life of the party, right? That's just the ones that we gravitate to. But there's something even more than that because... It does affect all of us. Deep down, we all long to be understood. We all long to be understood. Stefan Mueller gives this great illustration. He says, imagine how you would feel if you just, for one single day, you, you looked, uh, you talked to a number of people, but no one responded. No one said a single word back to you. Now imagine that on the same day you wrote several emails and got a couple things out there on Facebook, sent some text messages, didn't get a single response. No spoken word and no written word whatsoever. So I'm sure 
that you would be surprised, wondering what's going on, and would maybe even be terrified. We need to communicate, to be heard, to speak our hearts to other people. Right, that's an insight that you and I need to know, like that God gave us words. But deep down, we do need to be understood. See, wisdom gives insight into the complexities of how we express ourselves and where we can truly express ourselves. This word for prudence in verse 19 is used in Psalm 53 too. Now, if you think about Bible interpretation, a good way, a good thing to do is to interpret the Bible from the Bible. Okay, so a lot of interpretations we can kind of come up with on our own, but you interpret Scripture with Scripture. And this word for prudence is used in Psalm 53 too. Here's what it says. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand. That word for understand, same word as prudent. Who seek after God. If you want to be prudent, yes, if you want to restrain your lips, then what's going to help you is understanding that God is seeking, he's looking down on the children of man to seek if there are any who are prudent, who will restrain their lips, and will, who, who will seek after him, who will seek after God. Who's going to understand you better than anyone else in this world? The one who made you. The one who has seen your whole life. The one who's seen everything that you've been through. The one that's seen every hurtful word that's been spoken to you and that you've uttered to another. Everything that's in your heart that you're storing up right now. God is looking down, seeking if anyone would be prudent enough, anyone who'd restrain themselves enough to not seek that type of understanding out there, but with him. With him. See, where are we looking to truly be understood and accepted? Are we looking to people? Or will we find an insight in finding that God says, come to me first? Come to me first. There are things about me. I, now, I've been married for 17 years, about to be 18 years. My lovely wife, Laura, she is the most understanding person. I mean, I've, I've experienced more of the grace of God through her than anyone else. And there are things that she just does not understand about me. I'm walking around last night, and I'm trying to clean up. My mom cleaning up. And the way I do that is I stack things up. I see something, I stack it. So she's nicknamed me Stacks because everything around the house is stacked. But for me, my understanding, I'm like, I'm cleaning up. I'm trying to tidy up around this house. The little nuances, the little details about your life, God cares about. And he knows. And he knows what's in your mind and the way you're thinking about things. Maybe even in a way that your spouse doesn't. 
See, God cares about the details. I love this from uh, Jeff Vanderstelt. He says, in Christ, we're no longer enemies of God or slaves to sin. We're now friends of God. No longer do we have to clamor to prove ourselves, get noticed, or live in fear. Jesus has made us friends with God. If you want to have real friends, you first have to know friendship with God through the cross of Jesus Christ. He forgave you of your sins, set you free from your bitterness, healed the wounds of your past, and gave you the love of God to be a friend. True friendship happens in no other way. When you can know the friendship of God and lean all your weight upon him, you won't put unrealistic expectations on another. See, there are insights here that are much deeper that that we can mine and and find that, that God is calling us to himself. Last one, number three, heal hurts. Look at verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. First, who is the righteous? Who is the righteous? See, verse 20 says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. See, for many of us, when we read the Bible, we think of ourselves first. I think I'm a pretty righteous person. I've, you know, I've grown a lot. There, there's some, I, I can kind of put myself in that category. Yes, I, when people hear me, they just hear, that's it, silver and gold, just coming out of the mouth, just so much wisdom, so much wisdom, so just, I'm just trying to, to drop knowledge on you. People come to me for those things, right? Like, you, we just think that. Is that who we're talking Is this us? I want to go back, Psalm 12, 6. Like I said, scripture interpreting scripture. What's it say in Psalm 12, 6? Well, it gives us a clue of who the righteous is. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver, refined in a furnace, on the ground, purified seven times. Who's the righteous one? That's words are like silver. It's the only one whose words are perfect. It's the only one whose words are righteous every time. It's it's the only one. See, this is the gospel. This is the, the source of healing words we all need. He's the source. See, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Now, you want to know what it says before that in Psalm 12, 2 through 4? Here's what it says. It says, everyone who utters utters lies to his neighbors. With flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us, who is master over us. See, this is believing that and convincing ourselves that we can do this on our own. But what's it point us to? It points us back to the only one whose words are always pure, 
always good, always righteous. His words. See, friends, we need surgery from above. In verse 3, it said, it said, may the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the, the tongue that makes great boasts. Like, there are things that we, we should be asking the Lord, cut this out of my life, Lord. Cut this, this language out of my life. Cut these things that I've said or will say or want to say out of my life, Lord. Stop me. See, once the words come out, you can't get them back. Lord, cut those things out of my life. That I, I don't bring more hurt to this world, but I bring healing to this world. Because you know the friends that are struggling. You know the people that are around me. You know what, what my child's going through. You know. Lord, help my mouth to be a source of healing for them, not a source of hurt. See, we need God's healing. Ray Wortland Jr. said this in his commentary on, on this text. He says, Jesus was the only person in all of history who never spoke an unguarded, self-indulgent word. He never opened his lips in a wrong way, not once, ever. He never spoke when silence was better. And every word he did speak was perfect. Even his enemies said, no one ever spoke like this man, John 7.46. His guarded mouth didn't preserve his life. His words were infallibly wise. And we felt outclassed. We felt threatened. We felt shamed. So we killed him. And he took it. He took the divine condemnation for our lies, insults, gossip, put-downs, bragging, false promises, and griping, as well as our guilty silence when we should have spoken up. He took it all onto himself and hit the delete button. Look at him on the cross, dying for what you and I have said and left unsaid. See him there? Trust him. And you are finally free of it all forever. See, where's the forgiveness and the healing that we need? It's in the work of Jesus. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. This word for anxiety is walking around with a fear, a restlessness, a worry about life. See, there have, may have been some things that you've said that you think, there's no way that I could ever recover from this. There may be some things that someone said to you years ago, maybe a family member, a coworker, a boss, that continues to play in your mind over and over and over again. See, anxiety can weigh us down. We lose hope. And this encourages us that the only answer is a healing word from the outside, a good word, a gospel word. That word is filled with you're forgiven, you're free, you're loved.
There's redemption that's possible. There's reconciliation that's possible. See, that heals our hearts. And so just some takeaways. How do we become wise with our words? Well, this is nuanced, and I'm not going to be able to cover it all here, but here are some takeaways for us today as we think about just ways to apply this. So the first one is this, by by helping us to see that tone matters. Tone matters. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I learned this uh, one day when I was driving and... I pull into a parking lot. I was walking into like a party city or something like that. And I pull in, I park, and everything's great. It's a great day. And then all of a sudden, this sports car comes behind me. And there's a guy that gets out, and he says, what's up, man? You want to go? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, you, 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 you cut me off over there. I was like, Huh? I looked at him, I'm like, are you sure that was me, man? Like, I've got like a Honda Civic here. See, like, there's a lot of those on the road. Like, I, you sure that was me? He's like, I think it was. I was like, I, I, I don't remember, but I, I'm really sorry, man. Okay. <laughs> don't do that again in the future. Okay. Thanks. And as I went into party city, came back in my car and sat down, I was like, that verse came to my mind. Can you imagine if like the tone was met with the same tone that he came at me with? It might have ended up differently. Might have told a different story. I might not even be here, right? Like that's, but I'm saying like tone does matter. And God's word is true. And so praying for a gentle response, that's wisdom. And it can change hearts. I've seen it. Next one is warm-heartedness matters. See, as God starts to cut away some of these things in our life, it's asking God to warm our hearts to become more of a heart. See, when we're heartless or when we're cold, to live like this, it's impossible. It's impossible because you're always on guard. You're always on defense. You're always ready to fight. But asking God for a warm-heartedness, compassion, understanding, grace, giving others the benefit of the doubt, growing in sensitivity to others. See, this is so easy to overlook But when you read through the scriptures and you look at Jesus, that was Jesus. There's some helpful advice. There's a a communication coach, Jody Bruner. She says this about email. How many of you got emails that just set you off? You got, I, I have. Like, what? Think about emails, you don't get the tone, right? But Jody Bruner says this. She says, email doesn't convey context. We experience email as words on a screen. 
But we, see, or we, we miss seeing a unique face in a unique context. One report on this study concludes, this makes it easy to forget the humanness of our recipient. Consequently, email style tends to be more serious and less friendly, more aggressive and less polite. See, emojis help with that. But they don't always. See, you don't get the tone. You don't, you don't understand. And so like giving the, the, like asking God to warm our hearts, to be understanding, be more compassionate. Ephesians 4.32 encourages us to do this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Where do you and I get the source for strength to do this? Because Christ forgave me. Christ forgave me. And so it gives me the, the power and the strength to forgive others. See, it's being able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah, I gave you the cold shoulder. I didn't really listen to you. This is how the gospel changes us. So yeah, if somebody were listening on that voice recorder, there will be some things that you will say or you will think that will come out. But do they also hear it followed up with, I'm sorry? Can you forgive me? Yeah, I really messed that one up. Can we try over and, and, and do that over again? See, we all need those. That's grace. Lastly, it's this, but this is the most important. God's word matters. God's word matters. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, I think this is interesting. As I was doing my study this past week, one of the things that stuck out to me is this. When it talks about God's word, it talks about it singular. Word. Word. Jesus is the word. Why? Because this is unified. This is integrity. This has no deception or lie within it. That's why. God's word is unified where our thoughts, hearts, minds can be scattered. God is consistent when we're inconsistent. We need his word. His unified word from above. John Wesley once said, it cannot be that the people should grow in grace unless they give themselves to reading. A reading people will always be a knowing people. A people who talk much will know little. We like talking, but do we like taking in and reading this? As we wrap up, despite our words, Jesus has spoken a better word. Jesus has spoken a better word than all of our words, all of our brokenness, all of our shortcomings. Jesus has spoken a better word. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, 24. 
Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, what did Abel's blood speak? Vengeance. Abel's blood called out for vengeance. What did Jesus' blood speak out? Grace. See, Cain killed his brother. He called for vengeance. He called for judgment. We killed Jesus. And his blood called out for grace. And so, will you put your faith in a better word? Words matter. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your wisdom, your grace, how you teach us through your word. It says there's no darkness in you, only light, only goodness. And so help us to learn, Lord, your ways. We lay our ways down at your feet. We lay our words. We lay every part of us before you. And we ask that you will heal us, Lord, so that we can be a healing, just a healing place for others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.